Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, is made possible in part by the Florida Humanities Council and the National Endowment for the Humanities. It's also made possible in part by the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund and by the Brevard County Board of Commissioners through the Brevard Cultural Alliance, Incorporated. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, on the web at myfloridahistory.org. I'm Ben Broatmarkle, and coming up on this week's program, the 22nd annual Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities in historic Eatonville. When people share their stories of why it's important to them, it's quite humbling. I have to say that. It's, it really is humbling. We'll look at how war in Europe in 1702 impacted Florida. Some history texts call it the War of the Spanish Succession because all the major countries of Europe were fighting over who would become the next king of Spain. All that ahead on Florida Frontiers. That's Diana Ross singing the Ashford and Simpson song, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Ashford and Simpson are among the many performers to be featured at the 22nd annual Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities in historic Eatonville, Florida. Ain't No Mountain High Enough could also be an appropriate theme song for N.Y. Nathiri, executive director of the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community and founder of the Zora Neale Hurston Festival. In 1987, Orange County leaders wanted to expand Kennedy Boulevard into a five-lane highway, making travel easier from downtown Orlando to Winter Park and Maitland. N.Y. Nathiri and the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community argued that the proposed highway would destroy their town, which is the oldest municipality in the United States entirely governed by African Americans. After successfully saving Eatonville, N.Y. Nathiri and her team organized an annual celebration in recognition of their town's most famous resident, writer, folklorist, and anthropologist Zora Neale Hurston. 
For 22 years, tens of thousands of people have visited the small town of Eatonville each year for the annual Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities. N.Y. Nathiri says that over the past couple of decades, perceptions about Zora Neale Hurston and Eatonville have evolved and changed. I can't tell you how heartwarming it is because of the number of stories that we are hearing. People are coming and bringing unsolicited、um, stories about their relationship to festival. And in some ways, I, I guess you might say on an intellectual level, we know that this event is significant, we know that it's important. But when people share their stories of why it's important to them, it's quite humbling. I have to say that. It's, it really is humbling.、Um, and I think, again, that、uh, 22 years,、uh, it means more than just time. And for that reason, I would have to say to you without a doubt. Uh, we have evolved our presence in the community, not just in Eatonville, but the Central Florida community,、uh, regionally, state,、uh, regionally, nationwide, and increasingly internationally.、Uh, yes, a, there is a variety of constituency that we serve, and there's no doubt that,、uh, that 22 years has made、uh, quite a difference. Held each year during the last week in January, the Zora Neale Hurston Festival had a very successful and multifaceted format from the very beginning. The event has always included scholarly discussions of Zora Neale Hurston and her Harlem Renaissance contemporaries, art exhibitions, musical performances, and a three day outdoor festival featuring crafts, storytelling, children's activities, and great food. Education Day has always provided students with unique and engaging learning opportunities. For 22 years, NY Nathiri and her team have managed to keep the programming of the festival new and exciting while working within their successfully structured format. It's the same and different. It's the same and different. Part of the challenge with festival is the need to balance what is programmatically the same and at, and at the same time. To develop programming that legitimately fits within the context of what you're doing. So, for example, we have always had Education Day. Education Day essentially started as a secondary school、uh, phenomenon. We have felt that、um, informing In a pleasing and, and in an accessible way, is very important for, young, for, for students. Education Day, also about、oh, five or six years ago, was able to evolve such that、uh, we developed something called the Young Voices Conference, whose aim was to replicate for. Students who enjoy reading, who are perhaps in advanced placement or in international baccalaureate programs, an academically aggressive program that would appeal to them. 
This year, for example, we are able to expand our programming for, uh, for, for youngsters um, beginning at infancy. We have uh, a collaborative partner uh, called Amaya Papaya. It's a play zone program that focuses on infants to age five. We're very excited about that. That is, that's a true extension of what we're doing. The Florida Historical Society is bringing a true added dimension to Education Day by presenting female Florida, historic women uh, in their own voices, uh, Zora Neale Hurston, Mary McLeod Bethune, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, and Carrie Rossiter. What that means is students, middle school and high school students, are going to be able to learn some history in a format that is not threatening. These are wonderful um, compliments to the overall structure, overall structure of the uh, of festival. It's very exciting because what this does is to reinforce uh, some basic instructional um, needs and addressing them in ways that are extracurricular, that support the classroom learning, and frankly, that help to uh, fill a void that has occurred in classroom instruction in the sense that so many of, of this generation's youngsters do not know a history. Sora Neale Hurston is arguably the most significant cultural figure to come from Central Florida. She's most famous for her 1937 novel, Their Eyes Were Watching God, which tells the story of Janie Crawford, an Eatonville resident who also spends time in Miami during an historic hurricane in the 1920s with tragic results. Hurston was also a trained anthropologist studying under Franz Boas at Barnard College. Each year, the Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities explores a different theme, this year's theme is a Zora Neale Hurston forum, Womanism, Feminism, and Issues of Gender. And why theory? The theme allows us to weave threads, different threads of discussion in a cohesive manner. What we wanted, what we didn't want to do was to present a series of academic papers by talking heads, uh, by people who would be reading, literally reading, and therefore uh, dis disconnecting with an audience. Um, and so we looked at uh, this, this theme in, in two ways that are non-traditional in an academic setting, but very much based on the precepts of, of, of the academy. One uh, is Make a Powerful Noise, which is a film that looks at the situation or the circumstances of women from different cultures. Uh, it is, uh, so it has an international uh, 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 background. We thought that the film, to screen the film and then to have a panel discussion would allow us to, again, address 
a, a um, how would you say, an interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary, way, multimedia way of approaching the subject. Also, we were concerned to have contemporary voices or to have young people, when I say our younger generation, uh, consider the theme. And so one of our new positions, which is an associate member of the National Planners for the Zora Neale Hurston Festival, a woman named Erin Ponton Fierro, who comes from St. John's University in New York City, pulled together a panel of her contemporaries, young people, uh, people when I say young, um, under 35, and they're going to look at, uh, they're going to explore issues in a contemporary, uh, in a contemporary manner so that we have, again, the ability to engage in discourse, uh, but not in the staid and uh, stodgy academic setting. Humanities panel topics at this year's Zor Neale Hurston Festival include Reclaiming Our Shiro, the Anthropological Contributions of Zora Neale Hurston, and Work, Cry, Pray, and Sweat, the Influence of Zora Neale Hurston's Work on Current Women's Issues. In addition to the scholarly discussions, Hattitude is a fun reflection of the festival theme. We also thought that it was time to bring Hattitude back. And I can tell you that Hattitude, we call it the fun fashion uh, part of our program. It, it was, when we began it, it was a smash hit. Uh, with the economy and the downturn over the last couple of years, we we thought better not to um, we uh, we thought it better to put it on hiatus. But uh, given the theme, you could not uh, have this theme and not bring uh, the hat, the women in the hats, and the men who enjoy wearing their chapeaus. We had to bring them back. So. I think that uh, in all those ways, we are addressing the theme. And then, of course, at the gala, which will be on uh, Saturday, the 29th of uh, January at the UCF Rosen College of Hospitality Management, we are going to be honoring women of, of achievement. Uh, very, very pleased to uh, confirm that the lieutenant governor will be in attendance, that the playwright, uh, the, the groundbreaking work uh, of Intazaki Shange, who in the 1970s brought forth the, the stage play, the Broadway play, for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is not enough. Uh, she will be a, uh, uh, also honored. Uh, Dr. Marta Marina Vega, who is a founder of the uh, African-Caribbean uh, Institute in Brooklyn will be there, and Lynn Whitfield and, um, and Elizabeth Van Dyke will be present to read from the uh, poetry of uh, Ntozake Shange. While the theme of the 22nd annual Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities centers around women's issues, the focus of the event is Zora Neale Hurston and her connection to Haitian culture. As part of the WPA's Federal Writers Project, Zora Neale Hurston gathered African-American folklore and folk songs in Florida, but she also documented culture in New Orleans and Haiti. Hurston published two collections of folklore, Mules and Men and Tell My Horse. Her work in Haiti is documented in the book Tell My Horse.
It's been one year since an earthquake devastated Haiti, and that event is being addressed at the Zora Festival. And why theory? In those places where there have been natural disasters and where Zora Neale Hurston's footprint is, then we have taken it upon ourselves as a cultural institution which, which gathers an audience from around the country to become a, a, a place to remind people that this occurrence has happened. And I'm speaking specifically uh, now about Hurricane Katrina. In 2006, we devoted an evening to New Orleans culture. Uh, Hurricane Katrina uh, still, for many people, is like an open wound. So you can imagine that Hurricane Katrina having occurred in August and our um, convening in January, there was some therapy that needed to be done. And frankly, we had not realized until we started looking at this how many of our presenters actually had come from New Orleans over the years. And so it was like a homecoming. As a matter of fact, there were one or two of them who said that they only came because they, 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 understood, they understood the need, and for them it was also therapeutic. So building on that precedent, uh, having had the earthquake uh, um, a year uh, ago, we just felt that it was incumbent to remember Haiti. And those, those uh, program pieces are, they really are dynamic. Sometimes I feel a little bit um, concerned if my, if my descriptors seem to be over the top, but what can I say, the, the really just wonderful, wonderful programming. Let, let me be specific. The John and uh, Vivian Hewitt Asian, Haitian Art Collection is coming out of New York City. The collector, Mrs. Hewitt, is in her 90s. A good deal of the collection had been bought by Bank of America, and if anyone happens to visit Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, by all means go to the Harvey Gantt Cultural Center, because a part of that, uh, a part of that, uh, what do you say, permanent collection, is uh, is pieces from that uh, uh, John and, and Vivian Hewitt uh, collection. So from January. Nine, uh, from January 22nd through August, we will have The Art of Haiti, a group show drawn from that collection. And the same time, uh, at, let's say from January 12th through April 3 at the City Hall Terrace Gallery in the, at City of Orlando, is a magnificent assemblage of Haitian art by contemporary artists. On Friday the 28th at the Winter Park Civic Center, we're going to be remembering Haiti, an evening of culture, uh, celebrating, the, uh, celebrating the culture of the people of Haiti. Dance, uh, music, of course, cuisine. And uh, we will transform the Winter Park Civic Center into a, a Haitian environment. Uh, that's a ticketed event. Also, at the Outdoor Festival of the Arts, we will have a Haitian pavilion. And this is where the role of the cultural institution as a responsible 
uh, force in society really comes four square. So many of us have heard the stories about what is not happening in Haiti, about the slowness of the recovery. Um, so we, we talked at PEC about what could we do to impact the situation there in a concrete manner, not going through a third channel. Artists are there. They are struggling as everyone else is. But if we could bring some Haitian artists living in Haiti to the festival so that they could make just as much money as they possibly could selling their art and they take that money back, that is a direct, that is a direct impact. They come, they don't pay for their airfare, they don't pay for their lodging, they don't pay for any vending space, but they bring their art and hopefully when they go back they won't have a piece of art in their hand but they will have money in their pockets. That's what we could do as a cultural institution and so that is what we're doing. Zora Neale Hurston's autobiography Dust Tracks on a Road opens with her birth in Eatonville. This is fiction. Although she grew up in Eatonville, Hurston was born in Alabama. It's no surprise, though, that Hurston wanted to claim Eatonville as her hometown. Growing up in the early 20th century in this historic town gave Hurston confidence and a unique perspective on race that is reflected in her work. Next year, Eatonville celebrates their 125th anniversary as the oldest African-American municipality in the country. A day-long Eatonville seminar will be presented at this year's Zora Festival on Thursday, January 27th. We uh, talk about the, the seminar as an, up, and as, a, as an opportunity for people to experience Eatonville up close and personal. Uh, we have been doing uh, this, we've been doing elements of this kind of programming uh, consistently, and I can promise you that uh, anyone who... Uh, devotes the time, invests the time. It's, a, it's an 8.30 to 4.30 day, including uh, a, a home-cooked uh, meal served at the home of one of our Eatonville matrons. Uh, we do have a historic preservationist, uh, Everett Fly, coming in as a part of that to give a context. But then we're also going to be meeting a lot of different uh, people. In, in fact, it's, uh, it's going to be a whirlwind day. We'll go to Rollins College and uh, visit the archives there, uh, thanking, thanking the, uh, the Rollins College community uh, for uh, welcoming us. We will also be going to the um, Winter Park Heritage, uh, the Creoldi uh, School of Art uh, sponsors a heritage center at Hannibal Square. So people will have a chance to really um, enjoy and, and I would say better understand and hence appreciate what a small community uh, Eatonville is, what a friendly and welcoming community Eatonville is, um, and has continued to be historically. While the foundation of the Zora Festival is the academic discussion of history and the intellectually stimulating arts and cultural components, it should not be overlooked that the event is also entertaining and fun. On Saturday, showtime at the center stage will be Ashford and Simpson. 
Now, for people of a certain age, um, we will remember Ashford and Simpson. Also, there's the World Beat stage, and um, after Ashford and Simpson perform at the center stage from five to seven, we are going to have the Latin sounds at the World Beat stage, and that's going to be Orlando Sanchez, and uh, as a headliner, Adlan Cruz. Uh, some people refer to him as the Latin Yanni. Uh, this is a man who um, performs all over the world and draws tens of thousands of people to outdoor concerts. We are very uh, fortunate to have him. Uh, then on Sun, and in addition, at the World Beat stage, there will be spoken word. Uh, we will have jazz, spoken word, and Latin sounds. On Sunday, we will come back uh, to the center stage and feature what's called uh, Sunday's Best at Zora Fest. Uh, for people who are familiar with the gospel competition hosted by uh, Black Entertainment Television, BET, we will be featuring one of the um, winners there, Durward Davis. And then again at the World Beat stage, we will be enjoying uh, jazz on Sunday. So you, you're absolutely right. It's not, uh, I think that part of the success of Zora Festival is that you have all of this information. But the point is, it's lots and lots and lots of fun. Uh, we've not talked anything about the vendors that come from around the world, not anything about the food that is to die for, not anything about the Zora Health Village that is sponsored by the um, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida. We now um, know that it takes more, it takes two days. You cannot, you cannot uh, experience festival in one day. N.Y. Nathiri is executive director of the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community. The 22nd annual Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities is being held in the historic Eatonville community just north of downtown Orlando. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. I'm Ben Broatmarkle. Visit us on the web at myfloridahistory.org. In 1513, Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon landed on Florida's shore, beginning a cultural relationship between Spain and Florida that will be commemorated throughout the state on its 500th anniversary in 2013. This moment in Florida history features historian James Cusick. The Spanish and Native American peoples of colonial Florida were always affected by world events. In 1702, war broke out in Europe. Some history texts call it the War of the Spanish Succession because all the major countries of Europe were fighting over who would become the next king of Spain. In England, it was called Queen Anne's War. But for people in Florida, only one thing mattered. It meant war with the English settlers of Carolina. In 1702, an English army occupied and burned St. Augustine to the ground. Between 1703 and 1706, English raiders and their Indian allies destroyed all the mission towns of northern Florida. 
No matter what you call it, this was a war that changed Florida and its people forever. University of Florida historian James Cusick. This moment in Florida history was created and produced by the Florida Humanities Council with funds from the Florida Department of State Division of Cultural Affairs, commemorating 500 years of Spanish history and culture in Florida. You've been listening to Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. Be sure to visit us at the Florida Historical Society booth during the Zora Neale Hurston Festival, January 28th through 30th in Eatonville. Until then, visit us on the web at myfloridahistory.org. Have a great week. I'm Ben Brokemarkle. Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, is made possible in part by the Florida Humanities Council and the National Endowment for the Humanities. It's also made possible in part by the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund and by the Brevard County Board of Commissioners through the Brevard Cultural Alliance, Incorporated.